I'm Chad Reed. I'm Hillary Langer. I'm Gil Jenkins. And this is Climate Positive. At the end of the day, what we are trying to do is making sure that we can provide a greener cement to the market at the same price point as traditional cement. And we think that that's crucial for it to actually be adopted globally on a large scale to have a meaningful impact on CO2. We live in a concrete world. Concrete is the second most consumed material on Earth behind water. And it's essential to a lot of the infrastructure that will allow us to transition to renewable energy. But producing cement, which is the material that glues concrete together, is incredibly carbon intensive. As CEO of Forterra, Dr. Ryan Gilliam is bringing shovel-ready, low-carbon cement to the construction world. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Climate Positive today. Thanks so much for having me. So before we get into Forterra, I'm curious about your background. I understand that both you and your co-founder, Mike Weiss, are PhDs, and you seem really drawn to the science of climate innovations. You personally hold over 100 patents, and Forterra is actually the third successful company that you have started. What initially drew you to this career in climate solutions? You know, it probably was a, a combination of the perfect storm back in the day. So I had a really inspirational professor when I was in my undergrad who was in the hydrogen fuel cell space looking at better ways to make energy. So after taking that undergrad course with him, I joined him for my grad school, did my PhD under him, again, in that space of really looking at energy alternatives and trying to look at how to impact the climate. And so I think coupled with the timing where an inconvenient truth had come out right around that same time as well, and really seeing the impact on CO2. So you had those two things happening at the same time when I then got a call from California from a company trying to solve CO2 in the cement world. And so all that together really you know, drove me to take that leap and leave Canada and move across the country to join the startup world. And I'd say that career-wise now, for me, everything's been focused on a lot of these industries. When the technologies were developed, it was before things like CO2 and energy efficiency and wastewater were really a focus. And so knowing now what we know, I view really all these technologies from the perspective of if we were to reinvent the technologies now or do these technologies now, knowing what we know, what would we do differently? And that's really what's driven me to start a company in the chemical space and the energy space and in the material space, the cement space. Forterra's initial iteration was not ultimately successful. And so you had to reinvent the model. What did you tweak so that you have... Forterra's current success? Yes. So in the original company, you know, economics were a secondary thought to some extent. And it really was because there was a view that CO2 would be worth a lot to solve and that's what would drive adoption and there'd be regulations put in place. I still think that that's 10 years on now or 15 years on now that that is happening more and there's more of a focus on CO2 and there are regulations. So a lot of that's going to be a benefit to getting these technologies adopted. But at the end of the day, the reason why cement is so used is because it's a low-cost, great building material. And if you can't keep it as a low-cost material, I just don't see how it's going to be a, any technology would be adopted broadly just for necessarily the green side of it. So the difference really between Calera and Forterra is we're using the same core technology that we had already proven out, but very different approach. Rather than trying to compete with the cement industry, replace the cement industry, We came at it from the perspective of if we actually partner with them, 
leverage everything that they do so incredibly well from, again, feedstocks to infrastructure to, to logistics sales, leverage all that, but put our technology in alongside them. That's really what it's enabling us to get to these lower costs to be able to produce a product that can be used you know, in the market competitively. And so it's not really a fundamental change on the tech itself. It's a fundamental change on the business approach and how we fit within the cement ecosystem that had to change. That makes a lot of sense. That's incredible how just that shift in the approach yeah. can dictate the outcome. Well, and, and then one more thing maybe that's worth mentioning is, so myself and the co-founder, Mike Weiss, you know, the thing we say, and we've both reviewed a lot of companies over the years, we've, we've been involved in a lot of different techs and especially in clean tech. There's a general, I find people have a comfort in complexity. So the more interesting the technology or things that you need to invent or try and do to scale up, a lot of times that gets a lot of interest and focus. The challenge with that is it means you're really trying to scale unproven things that aren't clear exactly how they're going to work at scale and whether they'll be economic. And so we really come at it from a different perspective. If you actually look at the Forterra process from a process unit perspective, almost everything we're doing is effectively off-the-shelf equipment that's already being used in other industries, already proven to scale, already proven to be to be economic. And so Mike and myself come at it from that perspective of the more we can simplify the tech, the more we can simplify the overall process, the easier it's going to be to scale, the easier it's going to be to get to these, these economic numbers. And that's a little bit in combative with, I think, the general typical mentality of these companies. You want to have something that's really cool tech that's so difficult and different. That's what people are investing in. Totally um, disrupt everything. Exactly. And, and in original Clara, everything we did was disrupting. So even if we got a process unit for absorbing CO2, we went down the road of designing completely new tech and trying new startup companies tech that was out there. Whereas the reality is a lot of those things had been solved. So by using just known tech, we were able to really reduce costs in how we did things. And so with Forterra, as you noted, it addresses cement. And this is an incredibly carbon-intensive industry. Accounts for about 8% of global carbon emissions. At the highest level, how does Forterra work? Yeah, so cement is the glue in concrete. And I think that the challenge with the industry is you know, cement accounts for about 90% of the CO2 associated with concrete production. And in traditional cement, you're taking limestone as the main feedstock. So if this is calcium carbonate rock, which is 44% by weight CO2 embodied in that rock. So that's the main feedstock. You put it into a kiln, you heat it up, and you lose that CO2 or that 44% of the weight to CO2 emissions into the air, which is why cement is so CO2 intensive. The interesting thing is when you look at nature and take your cues from nature, the exact opposite happens. So if you look at how coral reefs form or how shells form in nature, you actually capture CO2 and make a reactive form or a cementitious form of that same starting rock that normally goes into cement. And so instead of then emitting CO2, you actually now have 44% of the weight of that cement you're making actually being CO2 that's captured. And so that's really what we did is we figured out how to take a process that exists in nature for really only fractions of a second, but do it in an industrial way where we can make now this reactive form of that same starting rock that can be used as a cement. And that's really, I say, the bend on Forterra, the difference with Forterra versus what we've tried before. And I think, frankly, what other people are, are doing as well, it's everything in our in the company is from that viewpoint of how do we make sure we can actually do this economically so it'll be adopted broadly. And 
I think that's fundamentally the biggest challenge when cement's 4 billion tons a year market right now. So if you want to have a meaningful impact on CO2, it means you need to build your technology or roll out your technology globally to all of these plants to have that impact. What is the partnership like with these plants? Yeah, so I maybe I can answer this kind of in two parts. So first, it is for us really about focusing on fitting in within the existing cement ecosystem. And actually, if you look at the Fortera logo, there's a plus in the T. And the reason for that is we view ourselves as an additive solution to the cement ecosystem. And that means we're, for us, we're leveraging the same feedstocks they already use. We're leveraging their infrastructure. So the trillion dollars worth of infrastructure from quarry all the way through to the kiln. We're leveraging all their back-end logistics and sales. Because the reality is these industries have done a really good job of driving down costs, making a building material that's really important for the built environment and doing it in a way that, you know, is cost effective. And so we don't want to have to try and recreate the wheel. We don't want to have to try and compete with that. So by leveraging all of those things that they do really well and giving them an opportunity to bolt our process on the back end to reduce CO2, that's really what helps drive, you know, the economic benefit. And I think this also was really driven, I think, the cement companies, lime companies to be interested in what we're doing is that they see how they can still continue to use and do everything that they do well. They still control from feedstocks all the way through to product on the market. They're still the ones putting it out to customers and owning all those relationships and getting the value for doing that. But now they can do it in a way where, you know, again, we're an additive solution alongside them to help them start reducing CO2. And I think the other piece that's resonated well within the cement industry is we also give them a pathway to get into net zero. And so we can start by doing what they call a supplementary cementitious material, but we do a partial replacement of their cement to give them CO2 savings get people comfortable with the material to get material into the market. But we can go to higher and higher percent replacements over time. We work alongside other SEMs or supplementary cementitious materials that are on the market to get them to higher and higher CO2 reductions. Our technology works really well with green energy integration. And so over time, by doing green energy integration, by going to higher percent replacements, they can actually get all the way to a net zero cement, still leveraging their feedstocks, their infrastructure and their back-end logistics. And because of all that and fitting with that ecosystem, that's why we have had really positive discussions to date. You know, we're in that process of working through now the first commercial plants with partners. And I'd say that probably the other piece of it, maybe that's worth pointing out here, is this has been a journey to get through. (laughs) The joke I give people, but it's not really a joke, it's the reality is everyone wants to be first to be second with new technologies. You know, the first plants always cost more, they're less efficient. And so it's easier for a company to say, we'll sit back, watch, see how everything unfolds, see how the process works, and then we'll be in line to do a plant. So figuring out within these industries, and I've had to do this across all the companies I founded, but figuring out how to work within these high capex, low margin industries to get people actually interested in being first adopters is a customer discovery journey where you really need to figure out what are their pain points? What things can you solve for them? What would be the drivers for them to want to be an early adopter of the technology? And that really comes down to meeting with really all the industrial players, understanding, again, what are some of the pressures that they're feeling, whether it be regulatory or product performance-based or market-driven. And with that, then really craft a business model that resonates with them. So we've gone on this journey for years now of really trying to understand how best to bring our technology to market. 
And I think that, you know, we've been just as creative now on the business side as we have been on the tech side in that we have a business model that resonates well with the cement partners in that really we're effectively a project finance company, similar to how wind and solar need to be project financed. And, but by doing that, we can bring these projects to the cement players. They don't have to outlay capital to get these projects built. So they have the ability then to get more product, to reduce CO2 per ton of product, to still make money on that product. So it's a really a financial win for them. And then from our side, you know, we leverage a long-term offtake with them to be able to do the project financing. And okay. so it's through that kind of, I guess, discovery in terms of what the customers want. We've also built our team relative to that. What do the plants actually look like when they have the Forterra technology? Because you're able to tap into the CO2 produced from the kiln, correct? So definitely can. And that's one of the key things is being able to add our technology on at a cement plant, frankly, without impacting their current operations. It's going to be very hard for anybody to build a new plant if they have to shut down operations for a few years in in a build out. And so our plants are really bolted onto the back end. So we still take their limestone in. We calcine that to make lime and CO2. We recombine those in our process to make our reactive form of carbonates. And then we blend that with their material at the back end. So to some extent, our plant sits adjacent to their plant, but we tie into their feedstocks, we tie into the CO2, and then we tie into the back end, the blending system to put the product out to market. And so even though it's not directly carbon sequestration, once the cement turns into concrete, the carbon is captured in there, correct? And it can't move even if the building comes down? Yeah, the, at the end of the day, the mineral we're making is basically a reactive form of limestone. And so if you look out at, you know, limestone is a very common rock. That's why it's used in cement. So if it rains and everything else, nothing happens to that rock. The, the CO2 is going to go nowhere. It's permanently stored through carbon mineralization. Then when the product actually comes out and you have the cement that is used for the concrete, what does that look like? I have two little boys. And so I have spent a lot of time loitering at construction sites and scoping <laughs> things out. Would we be able to tell that it's any different? And would the construction workers know? No. And, and that's really been the focus from day one. You know, so cement is 4 billion ton a year market. It goes into concrete at say 40 billion tons a year. And so then at the concrete level, you have a considerable number of contractors that are then working with that. And so the challenge we've always seen is if you create a new product that doesn't work the exact same as it currently does, which is really the strength development, how fast it sets up, how much it flows. If you don't meet those same criteria and you have to train the whole industry how to use the product differently, getting adoption is going to be difficult. So our viewer mantra from day one on the product development side has always been make sure at a minimum we're meeting those same you know, really three characteristics of set time, flow, and strength. So that at the end of the day, when the contractor uses it, aside from, you know, reading on the label that is Forterra fortified and it's a lower CO2 embodied cement, they really shouldn't see any fundamental difference in in working with it. So Forterra is ready to be used in skyscrapers as a blend, just not at 100%. Yeah. And, and our first smaller commercial plant will be built by the end of this year and putting product to market at the beginning of next year. And that product will be going into general use cement concrete applications. And so early next year, I'm excited for the fact that people will be using it in buildings and people will be using it in roads and it will be out there. 
we actually, in the clearer days when we first developed the technology, so that this is the prior company that first really went through this, we had a pilot facility. We were making one to two tons a day of the product. And so we put our product out into real world applications. We did office buildings. We did a number of kind of demonstration projects. And so we're 13 years in now, and those projects are still out there. They've held up over time. We've actually had the privilege of being able to go back and core some of those and send those off for testing to show that the materials held up over time. And I think that's one of the benefits, you know, we have as well is, you know, this is more by by luck, but I think when the technology was first developed almost 15 years ago, it was early and, you know, in the CO2 movement. And there was also just a general skepticism of bringing a new material into the market and what will it do over time. We now have that luxury that we have that material out there for as long as we have and know that it does stand up over time. Fantastic. Congratulations on the new plant. Yeah. And so in terms of, and again, this is sticking with the, really the views of the company and how we're we're developing the technology, but it's always going to be in partnership with cement companies, lime companies, again, leveraging everything that they do well from feedstocks through infrastructure. So we're partnered alongside Cal Portland in Redding, California. We're right adjacent to their cement plant and we're tied directly into their CO2 stack, taking CO2 from their process. But at the end of the day, what we are trying to do and where we're going with the technology is making sure that we can provide a greener cement to the market at the same price point as traditional cement. And we think that that's crucial for it to actually be adopted globally on a large scale to have a meaningful impact on CO2. Climate Positive is produced by Hassi, a leading climate investment firm that actively partners with clients to deploy real assets that facilitate the energy transition. To learn more, please visit Hassi.com. I understand that you have a lot of momentum right now. You've been doing a lot of hiring and also just promoted Kaz Farshad to chief strategy officer. What do you anticipate he'll be focusing on? Yeah. So previously when I was talking about the fact that we've had to go through this journey of really understanding our customers, understanding what are the pain points within the cement industry and what would get them to adopt technologies early. Kaz was actually one of the original inventors on the cement that we're doing. So he kind of came from that, the material science background, but then has moved over to his MBA and gotten into the business side. Because I think, you know, as, as he likes to say, you know, you can have a great technology, but unless you also have a, a, a great business plan and a great strategy around it, you know, the technology won't move anywhere. And so he's been instrumental in the last few years of doing that customer journey of trying to understand, again, what those pain points are and building up a business model that has got interest from the cement industry and the lime industry to want to work with us. And so I think it's really in promoting him as a recognition of him being a thought leader in this space and understanding what it really takes to, again, to move it from a technology that's great in the lab to something that's actually, you know, wanted to be adopted and commercialized by these big partners. And so he's going to continue to focus on what he's done so well, which is really understanding the cement ecosystem, understanding the players, understanding what's driving them to make decisions and do stuff in the sustainability space and really build these partnerships so that we can take it from the plant in Reading to our first commercial plant to broad rollout. Do you anticipate focusing domestically initially? I'd say similar again to wind, solar, electric vehicles, having incentives early on to help drive adoption is important. Eventually, these technologies need to stand alone and be economic in their own right, which is really what all those have proven out to be. And so 
we're really taking that same cue or that same direction. So we're looking to areas that are going to be easier for companies to make the decision to adopt our technology, which means there are incentives, whether it be around CO2, whether it be around, you know, buy clean or premiums around green products. And right now, I'd say that domestically is definitely our focus. The Inflation Reduction Act was a great piece of legislation that really will enable a lot of great technologies to get commercialized. So between that and things like the Department of Energy Loan Guarantee Program, there's just great things set up right now in the United States for bringing these type of technologies to market. So we will be focused on really those regions that have those incentives in place first. And I think places like Canada have done the same. There's things in Europe as well. But globally, I think countries are waking up to things need to be done differently. And I think they're all navigating their own pathway in terms of what those incentives are going to look like. So we'll follow that trend with those countries early on. Now, eventually, it'll get to a point where after we have multiple plants out there and we've shown that we can meet the same economic targets, really then at that point, we should be able to go, frankly, anywhere that's interested in in providing this, this as a solution, not just where incentives are in place. I was surprised to learn that the U.S. is actually a net importer of cement. Do you think that that will change over time? I mean, the, the U.S. right now produces about 100, I think, and 10 million tons a year of cement. On the coast, you definitely get import still of cement. But frankly, to me, that's really more of an economic thing than, than anything else. You can import on the coasts you know, pretty decent price point. And actually, if you look at the cost of cement across the U.S., it's higher in the middle of the U.S. where you don't have the ability to ship in cement. So again, it's a high capex, low margin industry. So it's always going to be driven by, by economics. And if you're going to trade off building a new plant on the coast at $500 million to a billion dollars versus being able to buy imported cement at much lower costs, I think it's hard to justify putting a new plant in place. What we'd like to see and what we specifically are doing is our solution really is it bolts on the back end of a cement plant and gives them the ability to make more product out of that same plant. And so I'd like to believe that we'll give the really these companies an opportunity to expand their capacity without having to put that capital in the ground themselves. And so that we can meet some of these import requirements with a greener cement domestically. Great. I want to get back to Forterra's plans to get to net zero carbon cement. What does that look like? You'll be increasing the total percentage of Forterra products in the final product, but what either scientific hurdles or economic hurdles have to be addressed to get there? There are a few different pathways for us to get there. What I would say right now is that a lot of green companies or green technology companies are reliant on green energy to really be green. And the challenge with that is, I think a lot of great strides have been made in green energy and it's becoming more prevalent and the price point of green energy has gone down. But generally speaking, most of the sources, you know, wind, solar are still intermittent power. And so there's a lot of great companies working on energy storage to solve for that intermittent power. But right now that hasn't been solved, at least not economically solved. So the core of our technology right now is we're still using the same fuel that's already being used at the cement plant. So whether that's coal or natural gas or other fuel sources, the benefit of our technology is because we're only calcining the limestone. And sorry, this gets a little bit probably too in the weeds technically, but it's a lower 
temperature process than traditional cement where you need to get to certain mineral phases and have that temperature in there. So the kiln doesn't actually have to get as hot. Yeah. So our kiln would run at about 950 degrees Celsius versus 1450 in traditional cement. Okay. And because of that, you have the ability to use electrification in kilns. Or, and so with the movement towards green energy, as people solve the intermittency challenge with energy storage, we have that ability to really integrate with green energy at the kiln level to solve that piece of the, the CO2 puzzle as well. And so once we solve that or integrate with green energy, and it could be green fuels as well, but once we integrate with on the green side, that means our product, for every ton of product we make, we are zero CO2 emissions because we don't have the chemically emitted CO2 because we've captured that and we don't have the CO2 from the, from the fuel side. And so that means that for every ton we make, it is a net zero product. And so then the higher and higher percent replacement you go all the way to 100% our product would be a zero emission cement. That's exciting. How far off do you think that is? I think from a product perspective, it will take time to get the industry from a regulatory side and just an adoption side to want to go to those standalone products. And so that will be a journey of pathways, but that will take time for for general use cement applications. I think that there's interest already from the market in using our 100% product in specific end use applications where there's clear regulations and how the product would work. And so we are working with companies right now looking at 100% of our product in specific use applications. So I think that that will actually happen more near term. But the broad rollout of using our material at 100% in all use applications, that's going to require regulations to change. It's going to require the market to get more comfortable and, and adopt to it. And then from our side, we are doing development work to continue to push our product to get to higher and higher strengths and to get it to be really set up from a set time and, and a strength development time to be more like traditional Portland cement. So I feel like if we can converge and have regulators and industry, you know, move and adopt, and we can get our material even closer to what they're used to, we can converge on a point where to get to 100% material out there as general use cases. But this is a five to 10 year journey for sure that's ahead of us. We'll switch over to the hot seat. First, when I need to recharge, I... <laughs> I actually, Do you ever recharge? Seems like you're working a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of probably an unusual one, but I actually really, I love technology. I love seeing what entrepreneurs are doing in the space. So a lot of times for me, recharging is actually just looking at what other people are doing or other ideas that are out there or doing tech reviews on the venture side, just to keep my mind active and see what's out there. Because I mean, really, when you look at the number of companies and what people are doing, it's pretty inspiring to see what's happening in this space right now. Great. A helpful advice a mentor once shared. So I've had a lot of great mentors along the way that have really helped me kind of understand how to actually take a great idea and take that idea to actually something that you can scale and turn into something. And... What I had to learn early on was that really to make anything successful happen, you really need a team to do it. And so one, figuring out how to actually build a great team <laughs> is important. But then two, really learning how to listen to your team, take advice from the team, figure out how to navigate all the different pieces of advice you get to actually come out with a, a clear path forward, I think is one of the hardest parts because... As you keep growing, and, and with Forterra now, we're 70 people. 
And we have people that are experts in a whole range of different areas from products to process, to scale up, to operations, to project finance, to marketing, branding. I mean, you have so many different kind of core expertise in the company. Figuring out how to actually take all that advice, use it in a way that's productive to keep everybody on the same path is... That's definitely where I had to develop the most early on because I was a tech guy at heart. I loved being in the lab, creating new tech. But the tech is only the one piece of it. You have to bring the rest of it together. So figuring out how to work with a team and and actually take all those views in is really probably the thing I had to learn most. Given Forterra's momentum, it seems like you figured that out. I've definitely privileged in that I have been able to work with a lot of great teams in my career. And that and that's frankly what inspires me to come to work every day too, is when you work with great people that are really interested or, or bought into the mission and what we're trying to do, it makes it a great work day. And then outside of cement, a climate solution that I'm inspired by is? I would say I'm, I'm one of those people that are really interested across the whole climate tech space. I worked for a while as a venture partner at a VC firm focused on sustainability as well. And so, and that's why really what recharges me as well is looking at the space and what people are doing. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff happening on energy storage. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in direct air capture. I think there's an interesting movement around direct ocean capture now and what can be done. And then also just even electrification and, and cleaning up of things like steel and some of these other big industries. I think there's a lot of great things that are happening out there right now. I think they're all, Fortier included, we're all going to face the same challenges of to be successful. It really is about scaling and driving down economics. And I think it'll be interesting to see over the coming years in climate tech, which ones are really able to get over that hurdle and get to scale. And the great thing is there's a lot of options out there. And <laughs> now mm-hmm. it's figuring out how to get to that next stage beyond kind of idea to really a commercial product. Final question. To me, climate positive means? I think for me, climate positive is really just making sure or really looking at climate first with really anything that people are doing. And so everyone can have an impact on the climate. And it could be as simple as bringing your reusable bag when you go out shopping versus, you know, taking a plastic or paper bag. And so for me, climate positive is just making sure that at the back of your mind, there's always just a viewpoint of, you know, if you have options, what option is going to be better overall in the end from an environmental perspective? And I think if everyone approaches the climate in that way, we can make a lot of strides in the, in the right direction because it's going to take a number of solutions. And sometimes I hear from people that, well, look, that's not going to impact the overall climate that much by me doing this versus that. And I think that's the mentality that I'd love people to change. So climate positive is just, if you have that always at the back of your mind of making the decision, taking a choice that's more environmentally friendly, that helps everybody. Ryan, this has been so fun talking with you. Congratulations on all of Fortero's successes and really looking forward to seeing how it continues to grow and scale. Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. It really helps us reach more listeners. You can also let us know what you thought via Twitter at ClimatePosiPod or email us at ClimatePositive at Hassey.com. I'm Gil Jenkins, and this is Climate Positive.